right, so welcome back. Episode 31 of No Cap Sports Podcast. Of course, another heated episode for you today. So, Josh, going to get us started off right. What's love? My bad, bro, you know. Um, I just how I'm feeling right now. Uh, some great news that recently came <laughs> You know, the next versus battle, we just had Gucci Man and Jeezy reach. If it, didn't hit, if, if, if it did not hit 2 million on Instagram Live, it got really close, 1.8, 1.9. You know, these verses events are always, you know, big cultural shakes. And um I'm ready, I'm happy for the next one. Um Kija Cole versus Ashanti. The the Shade Room had the exclusive report on uh, Instagram. How do y'all feel about this? I I reserve my feelings for last because I probably have the strongest opinion. So Bro, Ashanti's the love of my life, right? I can't even lie. I got three. She is fine though. She is Ashanti, Megan the Stallion, and Chloe Bailey. But Keisha Chloe. Who was the last girl? I don't know who called. Who was that? Chloe Bailey. Chloe and Hallie. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay, okay. But Keisha Cole before, bro. I can't lie to you. Before. <laughs> After song number 10, bro, I think. I was about to say, I don't know what Ashanti going to play for 20 songs. Oh, God. Um, and I mess with Ashanti. I mess with both of them tough, but Keisha Cole just got them hits. That's what I'm saying. I, I got five. That's when I good. heard this first, I immediately wrote down all the Keisha Cole songs that I liked that I knew she had to play. So the first one was Love. The next one was Let It Go with Lil' Kim and Missy Elliott. Uh, I remember, you know, and then I uh, play your cards right just because it got Tupac on. So, you know, it'll be all sentimental. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it for Ashanti too. Um, didn't get very far. <laughs> got two Brand songs. Oh, oh, I got What's Love. But Rain On Me is good too, you feel me? But that's, even then, that's a stretch, you know. I immediately listed four Keisha Keisha Cole songs that I like, you know, and um, especially if Ja Rule not there, I don't know what she's supposed to do. What's a versus battle you want to see, bro? What I want to see, I mean, obviously, you know, everybody wants to see Dolphin Gotti, but you know, that's just play play land. You got one, Nick? I'm just gonna go off rip, just because they kind of came to popularity at the same time. Uh, you know, stay popular for the same time. I kind of want to see Thug and Future just go with the verses, bro. Future will win just because he has more like radio hits because you got to think about it though you're not an album guy he more of a mixtape artist so yeah, all but that don't mean that like, don't many people know all his mixtapes no future but i'm stuff. saying i'm saying like he doesn't have the radio hits that future has because he's a more of a mixtape artist mixtape unreleased artist so yeah I, I think future will win just because you know he's got the big hits mask off uh draco you know all those songs magic but, yeah. sweet. that's exactly. my favorite song, he said Feds are sweet oh yeah, yeah that's, that's his best song bro no, it's not. i'm trying i'm just trying to think of nah i'm about to say that don't even sound right you don't think rich homie could do one <laughs> that'd be awkward <laughs> Little Dirk um, and- Wow, I, yeah, I knew you were gonna say something <laughs> trifling like that. That's all right though. Yeah, end up on the dirt. Oh, I did. I did. Daisy actually. and Kanye I, West. Mm, that's for the old heads. I ain't gonna try to hear all that. I mean, that'd be kind of nice though, bro. It would yeah. though, but I feel like all the all the cane goes and the the non-crease pants will come out for that one. And I'm just not here for that energy what? right now. Kanye, one of the freshest people of all time. I'm talking about people that listen to Kanye right now, though. I listen Come to on Kanye now. right now. And what does that say? I was just about to say, what does that say about you? Josh, you like a baby mama. Josh, we've seen You listen it. to Nav. Come on, Josh, bro. Your, your opinion is invalidated. You can't dress. You your had on three different yeah. patterns. Three hey, different colors. I ain't gonna lie. I got that some, didn't cool. I really got. I really got something to say to you. Did you read the caption? Idiot man. Yeah, Come on now, looking like a baby mama. Relax, man. I know what I be doing and what I don't be doing. You ain't got to check me. Look at what about? this dude talking about, man. I'm talking about the verses. So big trade in the NBA this past week. Big Westbrook trade. and John Wall get traded essentially for each other. The Rockets received John Wall and a 2023 first-round protected pick. Wizards received Russell Westbrook. Uh, ever since for a while, Westbrook has been asking for a trade, saying that he wanted a chance to be a true floor general and a primary ball handler again, a similar role that he had in OKC before coming to Houston. And uh, Westbrook and Wall have similar uh, remaining deals. They both had signed super max extensions. Uh, both of them have around three years, around $132 million remaining on their deals. So starting out with the Wizards, how do you guys see uh, Westbrook fitting in with the Wizards? First, I think 
fitting in for Russell Westbrook is never the right word. He never seems to be somebody that's, you know, completely content on being a complimentary piece. He, especially now that he, you know, first got an average of triple-double since Oscar. But even as a young guy, you know, him, Serge Ibaka, and Kevin Durant on the same team, he's always been, you know, desired to have that ball-dominant role. They, he's, they switched out one prototype athletic point guard for another one. He's reunited with Scott Brooks. He needs to go somewhere like Detroit, where nobody's in his way. Nobody's able. He's feel me. He's gonna do. His, he's gonna be able to do exactly what he wants to do because he's a black hole on offense. You know, he's not. He he's gonna. He's gonna. You know, pad. You know, stat pad with assists, but he's not really gonna. He's not like a John Wall where his first thought is to pass or to get teammates open. I think that I wouldn't even say John Wall's first thought is to pass or the teammates open. John Wall is still a scoring point guard at the end of the day, too. I mean. I don't know. I think he is. But even if you want to say it like that, I think John Wall's a better passer than Russell Westbrook. Well, yeah, true. So, I, I mean, however you want to flip, I think that – because like I said, I told y'all in the group meeting, in the group chat, I think John Wall averages 12 assists a game this year because John – this is the first year that he's – in his life that he's ever played on the team where he's, you know, not going to be the best player. You know, high school, he came – he didn't go to a dominant prep school, you know, Kentucky. He was the number one recruit. He had DeMarcus Cousins and, you know, a host of other NBA guys. Then you get drafted to the Wizards, you're the number one pick, so you're obviously not going to be in a position to be – to play with any talented players, you know, anytime soon. I think this bringing in Westbrook is bad news for Bradley Bill. You look at their usage percentages, they have exactly the same usage percentage at 34.4 usage rate. And so I think bringing in Russ West, another ball dominant, he's really a ball dominant guy, like you said, a black hole on offense. And we kind of see that, saw that in the playoffs this season. You look in the eight playoff games that he played, he had a negative plus minus in six of those games, including including a closeout game versus OKC where he had seven turnovers, bro. And Russell Westbrook is just a guy that I think he brings a lot of energy to a team. He's a Swiss Army knife rebounding. Uh, running the floor, creating transition opportunities. But the biggest flaw against Russell Westbrook and one that he has failed to fix is his ability to shoot the ball. You look at um, his playoffness, his playoff stats, he has 17.9, average 17.9 points in the playoffs, 3.8 turnovers, 42% from the field, 24% from three. And if that's your starting point guard, it's just going to be hard to overcome a lot of talented teams that there are in the East now. So, Vance, what do you think about uh, this trade? I mean, I, I, I like it somewhat, but I just don't see – I don't even see the Wizards making the playoffs still. It's just – that roster's too sorry, bro. So, I mean, then again, that's going to work out in Westbrook's favor and Bradley Bill because they both can still just get up all the shots they want. But Brad Bill, he's really efficient on offense. So, uh, Russ is going to want to run because he can't – like y'all said, he can't shoot. But uh, once he gets in half court, I think that's going to be perfect if Russ can uh, find a way to work together with Brad Bill. So then Brad Bill can come off an off-ball screen, you know, shoot a three, and then uh, get the offense going in half court particularly. Because uh, let's just say this is probably Westbrook's third best teammate behind KD and uh, Harden. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just to see him work with them, it's still a sorry roster. Like, who, who's the, the, the third and fourth best player on that roster? Though? Probably Rui Hachimura. Uh, Davis Bertans certified a sniper this past season. Uh, it no. might work though if you got Bertans. Yeah, the cover is dry, man. We, I feel you. The cover is dry, brother. The yeah, bro. I mean, if, if them two are on the wing sniping, Brad building up Bertans, you have Rush driving, facilitating. It just depends on what rush you get. If you get selfish rush, then it's gonna be a long season. Yeah, you I, rush, then you know they, they might make the playoffs. They're not going to win anything, but they might make the playoffs. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at this Wizards team last season before uh, the start of the bubble, they were 13th in the whole NBA in offense. And they had Ish Smith and Isaiah Thomas as their starting point guards. So I think depending on the Russell Westbrook you get, this offense can explode, score more points. Because I would say you're definitely adding a plus uh, a plus player at point guard with Russell Westbrook over Ish Smith and Isaiah Thomas. I don't think there's much of a debate. Uh, in terms of that. So you add Russell Westbrook, and I think this is a team that can be good. Like you said, Vance, depending on what what Russell Westbrook you get. If you get regular season Russell Westbrook, a guy who made a, who was a third-team All-NBA selection last year, averaging 27 points, shooting 47% from the field, still 25% from three. If that's the Russell Westbrook you get in the regular season, this could be a team that could 
sneak into that eighth seed spot. But he was thirteen. Yeah, he was thirteen All NBA last year, bro. But if you get the selfish Russell Westbrook, like you said, the selfish and effective Russell Westbrook, this is a team that's gonna fall apart, not win a lot of games. And you also gotta remember, Bradley Bill is a free agent in twenty twenty two. So acquiring Westbrook is a move Washington made to show Bradley Bill that hey, we're serious, we wanna win, we're gonna get you another star. Another yeah. healthy star. But if it all blows up, guess what Brad Bill's gonna do? He out of there. Exactly. They're going to get a third star. But we have a, a Woj bomb, you know, you feel me? You know, James Harden back in my city. I had to call my boy. He was down there partying with Baby, you know, giving a little baby gifts for seven days in a row or not. But, yeah, Woj tweeted eight minutes ago. He's arrived in Houston, tested. He got tested at the Toyota Center, so he's COVID-free. You know, I had to get my man back out to Houston, you know. So, it's all good. I got the situation handled and took it care of. All right, so uh... – Talking about Houston, let's look at this trade from the Houston side of things. You know, they get John Wall, who's 30 years old. He hasn't played in the NBA game since December 26th of 2018, and that's when he had that heel issue. He was going to be out for six to eight months with that heel issue. Then he tore his Achilles in a, a home accident. And so he hasn't, like I said, he hasn't played in the game since 2018, but the Rockets trade for him, giving up Russell Westbrook. So what do you guys think about Wall's fit in Houston? Like I said previously, immensely, immensely better than uh, Westbrook's fit in uh, in uh, in Washington. You know, uh, contrary to what Nick believes, I think. Well, not contrary, but regardless, of, you know, me and Nick discussion. John Wall is a better passer than uh, Russell Westbrook. I think he's more willing to assimilate to a talent like James Harden. Although, it's gonna just, it's always it's always interesting to see how two how two wing guys, you know, develop, especially two that have the balls in the hand as as mo- as a cousin as Wall and Harden ought to be. But even you see, like, in beating Simmons, like, two star personalities, it doesn't always work out. Even with two people that have the ability to pass or play good basketball together. But, um, you know, for Mike D'Antoni, James Harden effectively functioned as the point guard for these past couple of seasons. So, you know, looking at it, you know, pin the paper, you know, you can't have two starting point guards. So, obviously, James Harden will move the shooting guard. But, you know, it's, it's still it's an intricate difference, and it's gonna be a, a learning curve for him moving back to the two guard and to to implement I mean, John Wall in the offense. Talking about a learning curve, I mean James Harden has expressed a desire to move back to more of an off ball role anyway. So I think I don't think that's gonna be a problem for James Harden in terms of moving to an off ball role, especially in a half court offense, because we know once the ball gets in the half court, it's gonna be James Harden with the ball in his hands no matter what no matter who's the point guard. But think for, so. I I pretty much know so. Everything in Houston runs oh, through wow. James Harden. You, you, you get a parking ticket. <laughs> what would you bring you John Wall James for? Harden. <laughs> so I, what do you bring I, John Wall in for? A spot of shooting? His new coach likes him, bro. I mean, of course, of course they've butted heads because he hasn't showed up to training camp. But it's at the end of the day, it's Harden's team. It's nobody else's team. John Wall's coming off an Achilles injury, which is – a very severe injury for a player, the archetype of John Wall, an athletic, uh, you know, quick moving, explosive guy. You look at Brandon Jennings towards Achilles when he was 26, he never bounced back. I wouldn't say they're the, exactly the same profile, but an Achilles injury is a serious say, injury. I was a like, death sentence, bro. I ain't even going to lie to you. Exactly. It used to be. No, I, mean, I think that sports medicine has advanced to a point where people Brandon can Jennings effectively come back from. in 2015. Five years ago. I mean, you keep telling me, but like the gap between Brandon and Jen- Brandon Jennings and John Wall is just too high for you to keep making that statement. Too. I mean, he was averaging 18 points a game. He was averaging 18 points per game before he tore his Achilles. He came back only averaging around six. Yeah, you saw but Kobe. Exactly. And I, I didn't mention Kobe because Kobe was 36 when he tore his. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, I say it's more comparable I mean, I to Brandon wrong, Jennings there. I definitely I understand. We're going to have a large sample, sampling size with the Achilles this season. Exactly. Kevin Durant. Boogie, KD. Oh, yeah. Clay Thompson next year. So and we're going to find out. Exactly. But, like, I feel like Hot it's going to look different for John Wall just because of his, you know, panted style of play. Fast, downhill, explosive. That's just a tough thing to come back from. And I feel like Houston kind of – made a very risky move in picking up John Wall because you don't know how he's going to look coming back. He hasn't played in the NBA game in two years, coming off an Achilles injury. It's a lot of questions surrounding John Wall. 
that I don't know if the Rockets are ready to handle. Because you look at that roster, you lose Austin Rivers this offseason, you've lost Russell Westbrook. If John Wall doesn't work out, you're going to be putting a lot of pressure on James Harden to be The Rockets got better, though. The Rockets got better this offseason. Who won the trade? Wizards or Rockets? Uh, I'm gonna keep it simple. I think the Wizards won the trade. So you see, because they get a healthy Russell Westbrook, they know what they're getting in Russell Westbrook, and they're doing their best to make a push to keep Bradley Bill and Washington for a long time. So, in my opinion, the Wizards win this trade. Uh, you know, of course, they had to give up that protected first round pick, but I still think the Wizards came out on top because of the caliber of a player they get who's also healthy with not all of the surrounding questions around him. What about you, Josh? I think that uh, John Wall is going to look better in that Houston offense than Russell Westbrook ever could. I don't. I think Nick is very – I think both of y'all are a little too concerned about, you know, that injury, especially with how we've seen people come back recently. You know, even looking at somebody like Adrian Peterson in football, like sports medicine has evolved, like thing, ACL tears, Achilles tears, things that used to be career-enders are not. But, you know, I can see where you're, you know, you're coming from and, you know, the the point. But – uh. Even in, even in the very, you know, the black and white version, uh, Houston still got a first-round pick along with John Wall. So, what was that, 2023? We don't know the protection. and it's, I, don't, it's I don't even know the year. It's protected top 14. If it's not top 14, 2023, it goes to top 10 or 8 protected, and it keeps going like that. Uh, so, they got nothing, basically. But, that's, I mean, what? it just, it just signifies. top 14 pick is nothing. No, if I mean, it is top four. I'm saying, don't get it. Yeah, uh, short short term, the the Rockets won the won the trade. Long term, the Wizards make. It just depends on the moves they make. Like they, they have a court, they have a backcourt that's gonna be top ten, bona fide, definitely, automatically, maybe top five, depending on how you like them. But uh, you know, they need another wing player, maybe even a big. Who knows? But short term, the Rockets won, bro. Like that starting five is one of the best. In the uh in the league with uh Robert Wood and adding Boogie Cousins, if they keep Harden, and you never know for a short season like a quick turnaround like that, you're gonna have anything can happen. Injuries are a part of the game, bro. You like I I hate to say like I'm gonna knock on wood, but you know like the Lakers just played what two months ago. Yeah. Like, you gotta go play another 60, 70 games on top of the playoffs, bro. AD is injury prone, so you never know. Yeah, I mean. The Heat might get injured. I'm with the heater in the East, but you never know. Injuries are part of the game, and that quick turnaround. John Wall ain't played in two years, so you know he's itching to get a bucket. Yeah, but I will say this about the Rockets. I'm not so sure they got better this year. You look at some of the things they lost. Uh, Robert Covington, I think that's a big piece that they lost, losing Austin Rivers. Of course, he wasn't happy in his role with the Rockets, but that just takes away some depth from that team. So now you're looking at a backcourt of, you know, guys like James Harden, Eric Gordon, they're going to have to shoulder a lot of the load for the whole season, Daniel House, those guys. And so I'm just not sure how this Rockets team will play with the team they have right now, especially well, they definitely gotta get some, the I mean, I'm Not to cut you off, uh, Nick, but I mean, no. this is all – this is how their roster was constructed. I mean, you know, Boogie Cousins, but even with Boogie Cousins, he tore his Achilles, what, last year? So we have no idea what he's going to exactly. look like. You know, Christian and he didn't Wood. look too great when he came back with Golden State. Uh, what was that? Two, three years ago, he didn't look how good many, at how all. How many games he played? What ten or something? He didn't play that many games. But I'm saying in the playoffs, he was a very, very negative plus minus player. Okay, well that's you know, uh, some series. So it's four to eight games versus a whole year. So I think he'll look a little different. But even you know, they have you know they got Tyson Chandler. Is he still there? I mean, he just looked to be a cheerleader. You know, last year when he was in a the bubble, they got Demarcus Cousins, they got Christian Wood, but you know, even Christian Wood, he's six eight, but he's not gonna really function as your primary four or five if you want to get any defensive rebounded or rim protection. So um, this is still this is the roster that they had. They they sold out on having a six for six center. So you know, it's gonna either work or it's not. It's not gonna work. All right. So the biggest game in uh, college football this past weekend was between. Two group of five schools looking at uh, Coastal Carolina versus BYU, nicknamed Mullers versus Mormons. Uh, Coastal came into the game ranked number 18 in the college football playoff. BYU came in ranked number 13. And the Shawnee Clears got the 22-17 to 17 victory. So watching this game, what did y'all see between the highest uh, ranked matchup between two non-power five schools? Shout out uh, Jordan Donald. We got to shout out all out. 
uh, all Memphis representation in our sports topics. Um, a lot of people were predicting BYU. Zach Wilson looks like, you know, this year's reincarnation of Josh Allen, you know, group of five guy, big arm. Um, so a lot of people were kind of predicting a BYU. I, I felt like, you know, CCU's quarterback, I can't remember the boy's name, but he had a 20 to one touchdown ratio. They ran a triple option. Um, that was something that was really intriguing because that's an offense that you don't normally encounter. And that's something that takes special game planning and, uh, different things and adjustments. Y'all know, y'all play football to, to play, to play against. And, um, I was just, you know, I didn't think that there was that big of a gap between, um, BYU and, uh, and CCU, especially what in the, on the bench side, they gave them what, 11 or 10 and a half. I mean, like BYU's not a touchdown better than Shandy, the Shandy clears and, uh, they proved it. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about the triple option offense, but it's not your typical Army-Navy triple option offense. Oh, yeah, they passed at that time. Exactly. Sure. It's a triple option RPO offense. It's really one of the more unique offenses I've ever seen in my time. For real? I've never because, seen that. Yeah, exactly. I've been watching the game. I'm like, okay, we're going to fake the dive, pull it, throw a quick bubble. Fake the dive, pull it. I'm saying then they run in routes with the with exactly. the uh, RPO. I'm like, oh, yeah. So I, I was a big fan of that, uh, you know, that Coastal Carolina offense. And I think the biggest key in this game, watching the game, was the Sonic Clear's ability to hold the ball and keep B the BYU offense off the field. You talk about Zach Wilson, who was a dynamic quarterback. I think he was in the talks for the Heisman because of the way he had been playing up to this point. But Coastal Carolina was able to take a 37-minute to 22-minute time of possession advantage over BYU. And I think that was the key, big key to this game as Coastal was able to uh, dominate the ball with that triple option offense and keep BYU off the field. You know, a team that had been outscoring opponents by 33-plus points uh, on average. So I think that was the big key in that game. And, of course, that Shannon Clear defense did what they had to do and limited in that BYU offense to 17 points. So what did you think, Vance? All right, so I, I think uh, I, I say this for everybody when I say Coastal Carolina is America's team right now. Like, the, the swagger they play with, bro, it's a different type of swagger. So uh, just watch it. Like, I watched them two weeks ago. They played Appalachian State, I believe. They won that game by a, a touchdown. No, they got a pick six at the end of the game. But uh, it's just, I, I love the way they feel, look. I love their uniform. I love the way they play. Defense is certain. The offense is it's just like it's one of those teams. If I'm a recruit, I, I, I might want to take a visit down there to Coastal Carolina. You know, go down there on the beach early in August, go to a game. I mean, because I, I just love the way Coastal Carolina looks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, Coastal Carolina is becoming a, I wouldn't say a hot spot, but they just got a commit from a five star corner, uh, I want to say a couple of months ago. And <laughs> exactly. And so, like, Coastal Carolina, I think, is a team that's for real. And, you know, this past week they raised three spots to number 11 in the AP poll. I think this is a team that we could be seeing in a New Year's Day Bowl. And I think mm -hmm. it's a team that be, could be competitive with a Power 5 team just because of the way they can dominate the ball. So what do you yeah. guys think? I mean, hey, that, that, that division, that conference is no slouch. You got Appalachian State. You got Troy, who's good every other year. You got uh, UL. They're actually ranked this year, I'm pretty yeah. sure. I think Levi Wallace is doing his thing down there. Yeah, they, they played them in a conference championship game. They, that's a nice little conference. And then on top of that, if you can go undefeated, you definitely have a chance to play in that New Year's Six Bowl. Exactly. And undefeated against a very talented BYU team. No, most definitely. I think Vance really hit on the head. They just got that swag. Obviously, we see um, them uh, uh, commit a, a misdemeanor against Zach Wilson, you know, trying to block him on the interception. But people <laughs> like that, you know, all the stuff that, you know, 2020 has brought us and the way of football has evolved into, you know, touch me. People still want to see, you know, somebody get thrown around. Somebody, yeah. Yeah, it's a little extracurricular and bitch is clear, but it's part of the, you know, the atmosphere. Something that people, you know, obviously that wasn't the best thing to be out there with COVID going on, but uh, we're going to, you know, Euro step around that. But yeah, that's part of football and people love to see that. I love to see it. I know y'all love to see it because y'all brought it up and we brought it up. And I just think that like Van said, that's an American team. They got that swag. I think they have all the pieces of a Cinderella. Mm. Yeah, and I have no choice but to agree with you. And I just want to add to that similar Cinderella formula. They got a defense to back up everything. You know what I'm saying? You look defense at that front wins football game. Exactly. You look at that front seven. They had a, they finished the night against BYU with a sack, five tackles for loss, five QB hurries. They were in Zach Wilson's face all game, getting consistent pressure on him. And then on the back end, guys like the Jordan Strong. Posted a picture after the game, Heisman killer, point blank. Holmes beauty. County. Yeah, exactly. Know. Shout out them sit boys. You know, talking about Zach Wilson and that BYU team, 
like the Jordan Strong said, a Heisman killer because Zach Wilson was on a lot of people's, you know, Heisman sleeper list for what he was doing at BYU. So now we're going to get into our Heisman picks of the year. And I'm going to start it out with a guy that deserves to be in the Heisman race. Like, I feel like, you know, over the past years, the Heisman has become a best quarterback in the uh, in college football trophy. And I think it's time to get the Heisman back to his roots, give it to a running back. And so who I'm going to give it to? I'm going to give it to Jared Patterson, running back from Buffalo, a team that's currently 4-0. Hold on, bro. The Bills are in the NFL, bro. The Bills are not. Oh, no, close no. Football. Buffalo, like the same school Khalil Mack went to, so don't even play on them like that. I like, man, both and of so, do be booming. They got the Bills on Thursday, bro. And so, uh, <laughs> so like I said, I'm going to give it to running back Jared Patterson from Buffalo. He's got four games under his belt, 107 rushing attempts, 920 yards for huh? 8.6 yards per carry and 16 touchdowns in four games. And what? so, you know, 16 touchdowns, four games, y'all like, yeah, that's four touchdowns a game, whatever. But no. Heisman moments he's had so far, uh, week three versus Bowling Green, a 42-17 victory for Buffalo. He had 31 rushes, 301 yards, 9.7 yards per carry, four touchdowns with a long of 62 yards. But you like, wait, hold on. He did that one game? Hold on. He followed that up week four. Kent State, a 70 to 41 victory, 36 rushing attempts, 409 yards on the ground for an 11.4 yards per carry with eight touchdowns and a 67 yard long. That's Heisman worthy to me. Mm. Okay, so the Buffalo Bills still okay, bro. the oh, Bills are man. still not in the, in the in the college football, but I, I like the dude that you're talking about. He seems to be nice. I got to get on some highlights on him. <laughs> Jared Patterson, 5'9", 194 pounds. Holding that rock. Mm, what is he, a junior? I think so, yeah. I never heard of him, bro. This is interesting. He might be the – I mean, I don't think he might be the best one. You know, play a full – Nah, he needs to get gone. I ain't even going to lie to you. Nah, bro, I want to nah, say he, to he really does. He not, he not, he he not going to do this season. again. He's not about to do this again. I mean – Go ahead, yeah. He, he, yeah, because he, he had – like exactly, even you know when you're a guy like him, teams know you're coming, so yeah. they try to stop you. Especially after a week three performance. Does anybody know he's not coming at this point? <laughs> hey, that's what I'm saying. A week three performance where you rush for 300 yards, four touchdowns, and then you follow that up with the next game with 400 yards and eight touchdowns. They definitely knew. You know what I'm saying? That they had to stop him, and they were unable to do it. I'm looking at his highlights right now. They're stacking the box anyway. He's just breaking the one tackle and getting gone, bro. Exactly. And it's not like he's just doing this against – I'm not sure. I think they're in the MAC. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, they are. But, you know, he's he's done it against big-time opponents too. You look 2019, you know, before the COVID and things like that, uh, they play a, they play Temple. He's got 27 attempts, 133 yards. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's not like yeah. this is MAC dominance. This is dominance point-blank period. So who are you guys in Heisman favorites? Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Kyle Trask. It's just the stats don't lie, the offense don't lie, the eye test doesn't lie, bro. He's the he's the most important, the best player in college football right now, the most dominant. Honest, well, Gerald Patterson, he, he kind of has a <laughs> <laughs> looking at it now, but uh, Kyle Trask, bro, he's in the SEC. Say looking at it now. Yeah, bro. I mean, bro, it's kind of ugly, bro. But you know, three thousand two hundred forty-three passing yards for Kyle Trask, the second in the nation. 38 touchdowns, that's first in the nation. Only three interceptions, 38 to three. It doesn't get any more better than that, bro. A 92.7 quarterback rating, which is good for a third in the nation. So just also going to look at the uh, games, the lowest point total that they've had this season is 38 points. 38 Mm. points is the lowest point total they've had this season. First game of the season, Ole Miss, 51. 38 against South Carolina. 38 in a L against Texas A&M because the defense wasn't doing anything. So yeah. uh, 41 the next week, 44 the next week against Georgia with a top five defense in the nation. 63 against Arkansas. Arkansas was no slouch. 38 against Vanderbilt. They probably had 35 at halftime, and you know they just put the scrubs in. After, yeah. Had 34 against Kentucky, and then uh 30 uh 31 against Tennessee. Well, actually 31 is is the lowest point total. But 31 points this last week, 
So they haven't scored less than 31 points this season. With a defense that's sorry and giving up points themselves, so he has to do this. Like some quarterbacks are giving, you know, similar stats, but when you have to, when you have the pressure on you and you're doing this week in and week out, you got to give him his, his props. He's going harder than Joe yeah. Barrow right now, bro. With less weapons. Well, he has his weapons. Don't get me wrong with Kyle Pitts. Yeah. And I, to be Not honest. Not as many, though. Not as no, many. No, to be honest, I definitely think that's why people would put Kyle Trask above Mac Jones in terms of Heisman consideration. But who's your pick for the Heisman, Josh? You feel me? I like I like the difference. I like the I like your point about the, the Heisman race turning into who's going to be the best quarterback. Uh, every year, that's what the Maxwell Trophy is for. You feel me? I just think the Heisman Trophy is supposed to celebrate the best overall player, and I think that you can't look anywhere else uh, besides Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and number six, Devontae Smith. You know, last week he had what over 240 yards against LSU, three touchdowns. Still came up short. Jerry Judy told him on Snapchat he wanted 300, so he came up a little short. First time I haven't seen him meet expectations, you know, in a in a roll tie uniform. You know, NFL.com compared him to Marvin Harrison last year. So that's always mm-hmm. good when you, uh, you know, the NFL literally compared you to a, a Hall of Famer. Um, man, you know, we all know about the productivity. You know, freshman year comes in and catches the, you know, the biggest catch you can have of your life, basically. Yeah. But not only that, he's continued to produce, you know, CZA catches almost over 1,800 yards last year. And this year he's just been – he's turned into another – a different beast. You know, there's a thing about it, you know, Guys that y'all don't like that I like, you know, people like DK Metcalf that go rounds, posts, you know, they're not going to be nuanced route runners, but they're going to get a lot of yards because they're going to be faster than people. They're going to catch the ball. That's not Devontae Smith. You know, quick. Chris. Chris. Crispy route running, fresh out the fryer, cutting on a dime. And then the thing about it, soft hands, reliable hands, make catches in traffic, make catches. You know, at the point of attack, jump balls, even though he's only, you know, 110 pounds at this point, but he has room to grow. He got that burning angle frame. You know, there's nothing right now at a receiver that he cannot do. You know, he's going to even, you know, once he gets the ball in his hand, the only thing that um that had the, I guess, a, the knock on him, which I don't, you can't really knock. He's not going to have, you know, that, you know, that 4-3 to lead, you know, Henry Royce type speed. But um, who does, first of all? And then you look at guys like John Ross. Other people, and you just be like, Well, speed is not all necessarily the, the most Put important. Put your hand down, boy. <laughs> wow. Oh, he was refer- Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, why you, why you admonish him like that? <laughs> Put your hand down, son. <laughs> yeah, Nick Hayes plays AB for Millsaps College. If you don't know what AB is, you're not hip. Antonio yeah, Brown. Devon- yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Definitely not. But uh, yeah, Devontae Smith is. um. The best offensive weapon in college football right now, I think Mac Jones has done a, a very, very, very good job of dispersing the ball to him. And, you know, Rob, as well as being able to turn around and hand the ball to Najee Harris. So, um, I guess you have to have somebody to do it. All right. So, right now, the Eagles are sitting at 3-8-1 and one after Sunday's 30-16 uh, to 16 loss to Green Bay. Carson Wentz got pulled in the third quarter of that game as the offense struggled mightily. Through, through two and a half quarters, Wentz was six for 15 with only 79 uh, passing yards, one of the worst games of Wentz's career. And this season has honestly been one of Wentz's worst seasons of his career. Looking at it, three of his uh, 10 lowest passing yard per attempts games have come in 2020, as well as four of his lowest pass rating performances have come in this 2020 season. So what have you guys thought about, uh, what do you guys think about Carson Wentz in Sunday's game and overall this season? Boo boo. <laughs> He's trash. Get him out Big of boo-boo. here. Big boo boo. Mm. I mean, you know, there are two pers- there are two perspectives too, obviously. One Carson Wentz has, like you said, had his best his worst season of his career, especially these past what two to three games he has been. Yeah, diarrhea in the toilet. But uh yeah, that's a lot of di- that's a lot of uh, money to flow down, said toilet. You know, over a hundred million dollar extension, yeah. cap hit of over what? 35 million if he's not on the roster next year, 25 million if he's not on the roster in 2022. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you're just flushing down small GDPs of certain countries. So, yeah, <laughs> Philadelphia definitely doesn't want to do that. I understand that. Um, But that's the thing about Carson Wentz. His numbers, I feel like personally his numbers aren't, aren't always going to necessarily dictate, you know, his success. You know, certain QBs are like that, but, you know, it's gotten too bad. And he hasn't been able to – the eye test hasn't been able to justify – you know, this is these numbers don't look like this. So um, 
it was a, it's a it's a sticky situation for Philadelphia. I understand that he's he's really bad right now, but I understand why you want to give him as much time as possible. Exactly. So, um, you know, they had they made a decision that because uh, a lot of people were clamoring for Jalen Hurts, but um, that wasn't their money that they invested in Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz did just have a, a MVP caliber season what two years ago. So there's you know, yeah two three was it three? So um yeah. Is I understand exactly why if they had waited the whole season not to pull him, I would understand. If they had started them uh 2021 week one, I would have understood. But um, so that kind of shows you know the forethought. But you know, people in Philadelphia are ruthless, so I don't know how much it was forethought versus I need to stop, I need to be safe. So, yeah, I mean, you know, looking at Carson Wentz, I feel like it's fair to kind of blame the environment he's in. He's the most sacked quarterback in the NFL, been sacked yeah. 50 times this year. You know, he hasn't had Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey all year. You know, the receivers he's had have had problems been with drops. He lost, he lost, you know, Zach Ertz for a portion of the season. But still, a lot of this, in my opinion, falls back on Carson Wentz. Uh, before Sunday's game, he had 95 off-target incompletions where he just made bad throws that were uncatchable. And that was most in the NFL. So you just got to look at Carson Wentz for a lot of these things. A guy that you paid, like you alluded to, four-year, $128 million extension in 2019. And you just have to expect more from a starting quarterback of Wentz's caliber. And so looking at his season stats, he's thrown for 2,620 yards, 19th in the NFL, six yards per attempt, 30th in the NFL, a 57.4 completion percentage near the bottom of the NFL, 16 touchdowns to 15, to a league leading 15 interceptions and a 72.8 uh, QB rating, good for 30th in the NFL. And so this guy has struggled mightily. And on top of that, Jalen Hurts replaced him in Sunday's game. He went 5 for 12, 109 yards, a touchdown and an interception, and he really energized that Eagles offense. So how did you guys feel about uh, Jalen Hurts' real deal debut uh, Sunday night? He's better than Wentz. That's all I got to say. It's just, I just don't feel like you can, you can say that right now. I just don't feel like you can, at least not right now. Give me, well, give me, give me, give me 25 for 32, 265, three touchdowns, one interception, then I'll say it. But after That's a lot to act true rookie. <laughs> But I'm saying though, like to to justify, because basically what you're doing is taking this hundred million and be like putting it. You're like, yeah, this is a bad investment. So if yeah. you think about it from that perspective, would you have to? Like, I need more than twelve throws from you, especially for you to complete only five of them to yeah. show me that this is the this is what I need to be doing. No, trust me, I I agree with you from a cap standpoint oh, wow. that uh you know it's hard to move on from Wentz, hard to move him to the bench. You know, make him a hundred, uh, you know, a thirty-four million a year backup. That's hard to do because that just, you know, messes up a lot of things, point blank, period. But I feel like it's time for the Eagles in a division that's technically still wide open to make the move that makes them most competitive this season in terms of making it to the playoffs. And I feel like Jalen Hurts is that guy that makes them most competitive. And so yeah. uh, just today, uh, Tuesday, uh, you know, the Eagles named Hurts the starter for Sunday's game against the Saints. Uh, yes, Josh. Oh, thank you. I mean, I mean, I'm trying to work on, you know, could not cutting you off. The only thing I think about Jalen Hurts, like, I just feel like he's personally just, like, too similar to Carson Wentz to be just that big of a difference. Obviously, I, he, he's going to have a higher upside and be a little bit more dynamic. But, I mean, Carson Wentz is the number one pick. Jalen Hurts he was Second drafted 60th. Pick. So, I just think that you know, even their play style, big, tough guys – but, you know, I mean, there's a reason why Jalen Hurts had to transfer to Oklahoma. You know, he had accuracy issues at Alabama. I, you know, the play style, like, it would be one thing to me, especially with his extension. But I can throw that I can throw that out. I, can, I will willingly throw that out the way. If you had somebody like a, a Trevor Lawrence, a prime time, you know, option that we would could definitely say this guy is the future, this guy is better than Carson Wentz, this is what he's being groomed for, like a Jimmy G situation. But uh, I just – I mean, I think Jalen Hurts is better than Carson Wentz. But I think Carson Wentz has, has, has been too good too recently to just take him out. Because he, he's not going to come oh. back at this point, is he? Oh, I mean, it's still a chance, you know, Jalen Hurts might not pan out as well as we think he will over the games he's starting. But then how does that look? How does that look if you go – you flip but, and flop him like At that. least now you know he's not, he's not going to be a part of the team in the future. At least now you know. Exactly. Because you got to look at it, bro. Wentz has had 12 games to prove itself. He hasn't done it yet. So, if you're the Eagles. Touchdowns, 15 interceptions. 16. Dak Prescott played four games. 
and he only has 800 more yards than Dak Prescott. Exactly. And that's a problem. That's a major problem. And so I give it to saying from a money standpoint, trust me, but the Eagles, you know, the goal of a head coach is to win football games. Jalen Hurts gives you the best chance to win football games because Carson Wentz has been historically bad. And to be honest, I think the month of December is just a bad month for Carson Wentz. I feel like once November 30th hits, he just needs to go in a box and don't come out until January. Because you think about it, December 10th, like Roddy Rich said. December 10th, uh, 2017, he tore his ACL against the Rams. December 9th, 2018, he broke his back. You know, missed the rest of that season. And now December 8th of 2020, he gets benched in favor of Jalen Hurts. So Carson Wentz. Easy job took. We're sorry, you know, but. You think he knows how to read a defense, bro? I think he has a lot of problems. I think he has a, a lot of mechanical problems, too, because, like I said, he leads the league in off-target tar- off throws. So I think he has some uh, mechanical issues. I think he knows how to how, – how to, I think he knows all it the is plays, I know. but I don't, I don't think he knows how, how to uh, you did not attribute say no. that to a defense. I don't think he knows I, how to read the defense, bro. I'm not going to lie. I kind of think he's kind of getting into that uh, David Carr mode. He's shell shocked. You get sacked fifty times in a year. You're always David Carr. You're always, you know, in that in the top of the league in terms of sack numbers. I think he's yeah. starting to get a little antsy in the pocket, trying to rush throws, do things like that. That's forcing him to be off target, forcing him to uh, misread the defense as he's trying to get the ball out faster. So I really think that's kind of what happened to Carson Wentz. I think he just got shell shocked. But that, that's think, why you need uh, to put Jalen. That's why you need to put Jalen Hurts in the game, though. Jalen Hurts is a little bit faster, you know, to get away from them DNs that's running four fives, four sixes. So uh, he can stay in the pocket, but he can scramble outside the pocket, yeah. you know, find open receivers. Like Carson Wentz is trying to do that, but he's too slow. Yeah, and you think about it, uh, Jalen Hurts' first drive, fourth and eighteen, he throws that beautiful ball to I want to say it was Jalen Rager uh, in yeah. the end zone after rolling to the right. Jalen Hurts is a better fit for the Philadelphia Eagles than Carson Wentz currently with that poo O-line that they have. <laughs> exactly. Now, and you know, O-line help, like Jason Peters, wash. Yeah. Kelsey is the only part, the center. Lane yeah. Johnson Kelsey is not there no more? Uh, he's been in a, on and off IR. Brandon Brooks, Torres, Achilles before That's the only thing. They, they have so many injuries. I mean, Philadelphia's front office had definitely not made him, you know, had not helped him any sort of way. But that's the only team in the NFL, I think, invested too much in the big uglies. You know, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, um, Jason Kelsey. They have a dominant offensive line. I think, you know, Jay Ajayi, Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard are thankful for it. But, you know, that leaves Carson Wentz no viable downfield options. You I mean, know, you try had JJ. options, but they're also injured. Deshaun Jackson, I want to say he got injured game one. Jalen Rager's there, but he's had issues with drops, and plus he's a rookie. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey isn't really who Alshon Jeffrey used to be. But, you know, J.J. Arcega. I mean, why- I just feel like I said what I said. You're just explaining why I said it. I mean, I definitely understand that. I mean, they, they brought talent in, but the talent either hasn't panned out or they've been called with injuries too. I mean, I mean, even even uh, Zach Ertz. That O line is trash, and Carson Wentz doesn't make him better. They just been. I think their thing is injuries. I don't know what the problem is with their, uh, you know, training staff, but they seem to be getting injured a lot. All of them. So just like the Cowboys, bro. They're the exact same team. They're the opposite like, of the Phoenix Suns training staff. Whatever, like, because. Because this is not this is not a one or two season thing. This has been happening for a multitude of seasons. You know, pe- people get to go to Philadelphia. You know, Carson Wentz since 2018 has, you know, consistently struggled, you know, to stay healthy. Because I don't even remember him being a, uh, this injury prone at North Dakota State. You, you don't know? remember then, him at all at North Dakota State. Why are you lying? Bro, he was the first – what are you talking – he was the first pick. You didn't watch a single North Dakota State game with – Okay, I know, I know he wasn't injured. He's too busy playing D1 football. Exactly. I know he wasn't injured at Noah because he was the reason he was the number one pick. So, I mean, he was he out there. So that means something. Only three games over 80 QBR, bro, out of 12. That's pretty, like, sad. I mean, that's even if you don't have help, only three out of 12. But there's some, that's a lot of injuries that you're all oh, your best alignment done for the season. Lane Johnson on and off IR. Uh, but my JJ thing Arcadia is- Whiteside. Then he get hurt again. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, that's a lot of people. Listen, listen, think about it. Last season, very similar situation. Uh, Lose Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey for the season. Eagles finished eight and eight. 
mainly because of Carson Wentz and sneaking to the playoffs, beating Cowboys in week 16, 17 uh, to make it to the playoffs. You just have to look at Carson Wentz this year. He's done it before. He's made it happen. Of course, they they were 8-8 eight and eight and in the playoffs last year, sure. But Carson Wentz uh, went through that whole season. Towards the end of the season, his leading receiver was Greg Ward, and he got he was able to get the job done. This season, he simply isn't able to get the job done. Uh, bottom in the league in almost every meaningful passing statistic, and it's just time for to try something new in Philadelphia and see if you can get a spark for that offense. Uh, it's another big storyline from this uh, week in the NFL. Steelers take their first loss on Monday night to the Washington football team, 23-17. to uh, So, you know, just watching this game, what did you guys see from the Steelers? I mean, the defense did fine. They did their thing, bro. You know, the D-line's going to dominate like how they dominate the – the secondary is going to be physical. The linebacker is going to be physical, uh, sideline to sideline. Defense did their thing. The, the problem I saw was on offense was with the receivers. They didn't drop in pass after pass after pass, bro. Yeah. Uh, so especially Eric Ebron, you know, he had four drop passes, all in critical uh, positions, all in the second half, actually. And then um, that, that fourth and one that they had uh, with Ben Roethlisberger, through the fade ball to the uh, third string running back who uh, couldn't adjust to the ball. It was just a lot of oh, yeah. sloppy play offensively. And well, why are you going empty on fourth down? Like, what's what's up with that? I think that's not the first. I mean, that's that, that over Ben Roethlisberger's career. That's been one of his most successful formations in terms of picking up uh, fourth downs. You know, you he go spread, you, ball, but he should have caught the ball. But no why? Thing. Why are you putting yourself in a position where you don't have any running threat? With because the steel—that's the problem with the Steelers. They only rushed for twenty-one yards on the day. They couldn't get a rushing attack going. Twenty-one yards, like twenty-one yards on the day on fourteen rushing attempts. Their uh, rushing offense is bottom ten in the NFL. That's why they didn't go uh, in a typical running formation on fourth and one. They're, that's what they've been doing all season too, bro. Exactly. So don't go away from what's been what's been working. And uh, just what one, it's four for one. Kick the field goal, bro. It's four minutes left in the game, bro. You know, I didn't think that I didn't feel like they were capable. Not that they weren't capable. I just didn't feel like they were gonna go undefeated this whole season. They, they were definitely capable. Um, it's football. No, not who the football team caught them lacking. You know, Alex Smith, comeback player of the year. But uh, this is not this. Is, I would hesitate to not even call them a bad team. I think they're a bad team with a lot of good parts. Who? But, um, the football team. That's what I mean. they're, they're a good team, bro. Yeah, they they're a good team. What are they three and seven? Four and seven? Five and seven. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they was four. That mean they was four and seven. And you also got to think they've been through three starting quarterbacks over twelve games. Yeah, Kyle, yeah. Four and one. He might be four and one, bro. Yeah, I want to say he is. They didn't even get a real quarterback at this point. Terry McLaurin. Uh, What's Sims. his name? Chris Sims. Chris Sims showed up yesterday. He had a Cam, big Cam Sims. Cam Sims. Cam Sims. My bad. Cam Sims showed up and had a big game yesterday. Uh, Terry Lauren wasn't able to get much going, but Cam Sims really uh, turned that Washington offense up. The combination of him, uh, of course, the running backs they have, uh, McKissick. Logan Thomas, that tight end. Hey. He played quarterback in Virginia Tech. Either, bro. He, but he played one heck of a game. You think about that big catch he had on third down to uh, set the Redskins up. For a touchdown, I want to say in the third or fourth quarter, that was such a big catch, big play from him, and he was making big plays all game long. And that's a thing that a lot of teams talk about with uh, Travis Kelsey, you know, being a former QB, reading the coverages, being able to find, you know, soft spots in the zone, things like that. You know, yeah. Logan Thomas, like like y'all said, former quarterback of Virginia Tech, he has that um he has that ability to read coverages, read the defense, find where the find where the quarterback needs him to be. And you know, coming into the season, he wasn't on anybody's radar, but uh. I mean, I keep seeing him make big, big catches. He, you could argue that he's having a Pro Bowl season. You know, flipping back over to the Steelers, I think the big thing in the loss for the Steelers, you know, this is the first time they've squandered a 14-point lead at home. And the reason they squandered this lead was for two reasons, in my opinion. For one, they were uh, unable to run the ball, as I alluded to. Of course, James Conner was not available for the game, but I don't think James Conner would have made a difference. He would have got that one yard. He's not that. He's not a dynamic running. One back. yard. He don't. You don't. Nothing dynamic has to be about getting two yards. Yeah, but run him out formation and let the fullback block and let him listen, fall forward. Listen, if you think about it, Benny you can't Snell, say that, bro. You can't Benny, say that. Take Benny it back. Snell, Benny Snell, their starting running back, 
the the running back they started Monday night was really their short yardage running back. James Conner was. Yeah, exactly. So, how, so okay. they can't run the so ball. You can't, say that, you can't say that he's not dynamic because Bell is there for short yardage. So if he can't get okay, so if Bell was or if Snell was there, they should have gave him the ball. So first that, of all, I feel like you're disrespecting James Conner, which I don't know why he's a solid runner, but he had cancer. You know, good guy at Pittsburgh, but whatever. But there's no there's no plausible reason why fourth down uh, with one that's not fourth what and five, fourth and six all season. Short yardage situations, the Steelers love to go empty. That's what they've been doing all season. That's how they've been successful. He just that, didn't catch the ball. Okay, exactly. first of all, that's the thing. Okay, that, that, thank you. Thanks, both of y'all. Respectfully, be quiet for a second. That's, this is what I'm going to get into. Going into a, a formation like that, or like a, a empty, you leave yourself no ability to run the ball whatsoever. So the yeah, defense, do. I, how do you run the come, ball out of When you come out of empty, okay, first of all. If, if you don't motion them back into the backfield, how do you run out of empty? Well, yeah, that's always an option. And then uh, some teams have done it. I don't, I don't know if uh, Ben Roethlisberger has done it, but if the box is favorable, a lot of quarterbacks will sneak up and go into a under center formation and just QB sneak from there if this defense stretches too wide, you know, on fourth and inches, fourth and short situation. Okay. But like I was saying, this is what the Steelers have been doing all year, really all of Big Ben's career, because uh, throughout Big Ben's career, he completes most of his passes in that empty formation is one of his favorite formations to throw out of and get easy, quick, easy completions out of. Find a mismatch, find a guy that goes uncovered. It's very simple. But you can say that one play was a problem, but the Steelers passing offense has been a problem all year uh, because they're unable to stretch the ball downfield. Their longest pass play. Hold on, bro. Hold on, bro. I can't keep – First of all, you said they have a problem stretching the ball downfield. They have a rookie receiver that literally has set the touchdown record. Ten receptions, ten, ten touchdowns in ten games. Yeah. How more downfield do you want than that, brother? Yeah, okay. Like, so their longest pass play of the night was 50 yards. But – That's short. Yeah, because, listen, it was a 10-yard throw, a 10-yard curl route that James Washington was able to get loose and run for a touchdown. That was the longest pass play of the night. And if you look at the stats, Ben Roethlisberger throws zero to nine yards, completing 74% of his passes, nine touchdowns, one interception, 100.3 rating. From 10 to 19 yards, that intermediate range, completing 60% of his passes with eight touchdowns, two interceptions, 121 rating. And you look at 20-plus yards downfield, Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball, 22%, seven touchdowns, three interceptions, a 74.3 rating. But I don't so think that, that, if, you, if you don't believe that's an issue for the Steelers' offense, it's hard to debate it. I, I mean, I don't think it was a bad matchup. But I'm saying that, that's, that that's on the year. That too. That's on the year. That's Washington, but Washington is a bad matchup for 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 uh for Pittsburgh. I think. Well, yeah. That crazy D line, you're gonna have to get the ball. Yeah, off fast. Kerrigan, Chase Young. They did that just the second half. Uh, told the corners to press the receivers. And they got one of the fuller guys, so they automatically got a, you know, a, a corner that can yeah, cover something. but, I mean, the Steelers' game plan all year has been quick passing, let receivers get loose, and things like that. And I feel like this is actually a good matchup for the Steelers coming into the game because you know you're going to get heavy pressure. You know you're going to get a lot of man coverage, a lot of soft zone coverage. So I would thought that they would be able to, you know, get those quick passes off, move the ball, and – you know, contrary to popular belief, Josh, you had faith in the Steelers' offense, you know, making an 80-yard drive to win the game. Guess it's what they were able to do Monday night? They were. But I definitely think getting the – I think definitely think that they had put themselves in the right position. Because I understand what you're saying. I truly do. Because, you know, following trends, following the stats, the statistics, the analytics, you know, a great breakdown of – because I didn't even realize how bad, you know, Roethlisberger has been downfield. But, okay, Sometimes you have to put the stats aside and look at what's in front of you. Okay. I understand how successful they've been. They haven't been yeah. running the ball good all year, whatever. Whoop de whoop. You have to to in order to score to achieve the next drive to unlock the next part of the mission, they had to get a yard. But it was if I can remember correctly, because I'm not doing that well, that's three feet. They needed to get three feet in okay. order to get a first down. Yeah. But uh, also, field, there, were, there were two times where they have uh first and goal situations from the one in which they were not able to run the ball in. So keeping that in the back of your mind, they get on fourth and one. Were they emptying those ones too? Huh? Were they emptying those ones too? No, they tried to run the ball with Benny Snell, and he got stuffed all four times. Hold on. Oh, wow. Bro, they had a lot of drops also. They did. I seen Deontay Johnson drop one. 
for sure. Well, he no. always drops passes, so uh, but the other receivers are dropping them passes too. Like I know it's cold, but you gonna play in Pittsburgh, you are gonna have to make it work, my guy. Over his career, Ben has been a plus thrower downfield. But Big Ben, that's, that's been his game. You know, taking the top off the defense. You think of guys he's had in Pittsburgh, the Emmanuel Sanders, the ABs, those kind of guys that he's been able to take the top off with. But this year, we've seen obvious regression in Big Ben and passing the ball down the field, which is why they revamped that offense into more of a quick throw, quick screen offense that has worked for them up to this point. So, let me ask you something. Do you think he can't do it no more, or you think they just changed it because that's what was beneficial for the offense? I think it's a combination, though. What were you saying, Ben? It's safe, bro. It's safe to do when it works. Exactly. But do you, think he can, do you think he can't do it anymore? I, I don't think. On a consistent a basis. I mean, well, you look at the numbers. I mean, I don't think it – I mean, not, not to cut y'all off, but, you know, I understand, you know, because I really didn't know. So, like, how many attempts is that – how many 20-plus yard attempts, air attempts does he have? I'm, I'm not sure. I just know he's at 22%. But what I'm, what I'm saying is the Steelers team is a team that's constructed to where they're not going to beat themselves. They're going to make you beat them. Mm-hmm. Point blank period. So, they're, they're playing to the strength of their defense. Like we talked about, I think, last week, they play opportunistic football. Their defense is going to be able to flip field position, put the offense in a good, with good starting field position so that they can score easier. This, this Steelers offense isn't constructed to go on long 80-yard drives to score points. This is a Steelers team that plays opportunistic football. Their defense is going to get them that ball back, you know, a team that's leading the league in sacks and takeaways so that defense puts them in good position and they finish it out. And going back to Roethlisberger, it's just one of those things where – he has a coach that knows how to adapt. Like, we keep going back to that. Like, uh, Mike Tomlin is probably, what, the second best coach of the past 10 years behind Belichick? Yeah. I would like, agree. Yeah. He hasn't had a losing season in his whole coaching team. Yeah, bro. It, it, you just got to be able to adapt to your personnel, your players. You know Big Ben's getting older, bro. Just make make the change. You're going to go dink and dunk. Your O-line isn't a run O-line. It's a pass O-line. So get the ball off to your, your three receivers who probably all are, what, top 30 receivers in the uh, NFL right now. You got Claypool. Juju Ebron's a great receiving threat, even though he was dropping all those passes. But uh, you, you know, he's just working to his personnel. Yeah. So that's the thing that just that final closing thoughts. I think that's the thing that separates Tampa Bay from Pittsburgh to me. Yeah. I think obviously that Tampa Bay is proven right now that Tom Tom Brady at least consistently is not going to be able to push the ball downfield and utilize. You know, Mike Evans and those guys. You know, the way that he could. I think Ben Big Ben. Still can, obviously, because, what, Tom Brady was 43? You know, Roethlisberger is 36. That's a seven-year difference. Coming off so an I, elbow injury, too. I just wanted to note that. Oh, thanks for the note. But I still think – I think Roethlisberger can do it. And if he can do it, you know, he has the weapons to do it. You know, he has uh, uh, the prototype X guy in Claypool, but he has all those slot guys, the fast guys that you, you would need to open up space and those zones, things like that. So I think – Honestly, that's the key. I think I don't think Tampa Bay can do it. I don't. I think Pittsburgh can. I don't think they have either. They're not good at it right now. Or they haven't had to do it that much. Another week of NFL action. That means we got another week of game balls. So I'm gonna start it out. I'm giving my game ball this week to the Patriots defense and special teams. They were a key factor in uh, the Patriots victory, 45 to zero victory over the Chargers on Sunday. J.C. Jackson and Chase Winovich were able to pick off Herbert. That makes seven interceptions in 12 games for J.C. Jackson. I think he's a sleeper for Defensive Player of the Year. And on top of that, they added two special teams touchdowns, a punt return touchdown for Gunnar Olszewski, and a blocked field goal return for a touchdown by Devin McCourty. Evans also added three sacks on the day. So that unit had a day in the victory against the Chargers, so they get my game ball. Good pick. Good pick, bro. Hey, I, yeah, I was – So much for my uh, my Justin Herbert sexy pick. Yeah, that yeah, bro, it's kind of ugly, kind of scary. What was it, 45-0? That's kind of yeah. ugly. Kind of. That's Respucia ugly. <laughs> Anyways, bro. So I was gonna, I was gonna go with Baker, but then again, it's like they did against the Titans, so I couldn't do that to my Titans. <laughs> and also, like, I'm not a believer in them, but the guy I am gonna pick, he turned me into a believer for good, particularly this season and this game. Josh Allen, 375 yards, four touchdowns, bro. Looking like a real uh, franchise quarterback, and I like what I saw, bro. I feel that. I feel that. You know, B375, Josh Allen, sleeper MVP candidate. But, um, yeah, y'all see the, the stress bumps already popping up my head. I, I don't know if y'all see the vein popping, but uh, this this game ball, man, it's a little – I got a little something else behind it, you know. I'm going to give my grain ball to Greg Williams. 
So uh, I know y'all probably asking, Josh, why are you giving your game ball to the person that caused you the most angst and anxiety? Well, no cap audience, let me let me let me bring it into perspective. So, my beloved New York Jets are 0 and 11, 0 and 12. If any of my co's care to chime in, um, but we had an opportunity to beat the Las Vegas Raiders. We we're up, which is the craziest part. I can't even believe I said that out loud. We had to win the football game. And uh, Mr. Williams, um, he's just like, okay. Um, we have a couple of things to consider, though. You know, college football landscape looks really good. Got, like, Trevor Lawrence coming out. We don't want to mess up our draft position for, um, for something like that. So um, if anybody plays Madden on here or anybody listens to this plays Madden, you know what the, 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 the play called Engage 8 is. I'm sure you're, you know, when you send eight pass rushers and you leave, you know, three people in, um, in deep coverages. And it's, there's, there's time to call it, you know, um, when you're trying to make somebody mad or when you're playing around or when you hit the wrong button. But um, that's not the play you call when your season's on the line. But, um, hey, there's a reason and a wheel for everything that he does. So, um, shout out to you, Greg Williams. Yeah, it's never a good idea to leave a guy that runs a 4-3-40 uh, one-on-one with a undrafted. But Lamar Jackson was guarding him, so what can we say? Listen, Lamar that's what Jackson's I was saying. fault. Yeah. It's Lamar Jackson's fault. Damn you, Lamar. For don't, blame, don't blame him for that. <laughs> blame. I mean, he wasn't in a position to stop it, though. No, he wasn't. Because well, once Henry Ruggs made that double move, he was. His it. job was One to game. be deep. He was not deep enough. So, mm-hmm. hey, hey, buddy. One game for 10 years, bro. I, he really you guys did. are a winner in my book. Yeah, bro. That's why I gave him the game, Bob, brother. All right, and so, finna wrap this thing up with our weekly pickums. And, of course, Josh picking first again because he picked first last week and went two and three. So, we're going to keep it going like that. So, first game. We he ain't got, got no haters. He ain't popping. That's what the, that's what the people did. Patriots at Rams. At Rams. Hey, hey, hold on. Hold on, son. Watch your tone when you're addressing me, okay? Make Watch your, your tone now. Make him pick and stop, stop. You said at Rams. L.A. just be uh, – Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hey, man, I don't care how y'all got the sauce. I'm going to do me how I'm going to do me. So, you feel me? It don't even matter what y'all saying. Uh, LA, they just beat the Cardinals, did they? Yeah, give me LA. Aaron Donald J had two sacks. Give me LA. So, uh, I'm, I'm gonna go next. Patriots just beat another LA team in LA. Uh, give me the Patriots. I mm. think they're hot right now. Why we, why I feel this so rushed? Why we can't just thoroughly think about it and interpret it how we want to? Like, what, what's the problem? You rushed, bro. You pick your team. You want to change your pick? Pick the. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. I just feel like I'm being rushed because I was a title holder. I just not, feel like it's. Bro, we let you say everything you had to say and you picked, bro. We were just letting you know where the game was being played at. And I'm picking the Rams because Cam not going to be able to throw in that defense. And so, up next, we got the Cardinals at the Giants. Ooh, uh, nah, nah. At the Giants in New York. Uh, they just lost again. Um, the Giants though, they suck suck. Mm. Seahawks. Seahawks suck suck right Don't now. Don't talk to him. Let him pick. Let him pick. I'm tired of him stalling, bro. I just want him to pick. I'm stalling while I'm trying to think about who's gonna win the game. How is that stalling? Are these not valid points? I'm gonna pick opposite of Josh, no matter what, bro. <laughs> just cause he gonna be. I can feel it. Let me get uh. I can't. They can't. The Cardinals can't lose to the Giants. They could though, bro. Them they falling off. They are though. It's a good one. Dang. Uh, give me the Cardinals, man. They go. They ain't gonna lose for three, four in a row. Give me the Cardinals. All right, give me the Giants, bro. Defense right. gonna smack little collar around. <laughs> I'm gonna rock with the Cardinals. I think this is gonna be their bounce back game, uh, especially going up against uh, starting quarterback and Colt McCoy. Oh, yeah, Cook McCoy, not even Daniel Jones. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, I think. Oh, no, no, no. Hey, no, bro. No, bro. You said it. You said it, bro. You said it. I mean, you no, said actually, it. Actually, it's just a hamstring injury, so Daniel Jones might be back for this game. I'm not. I was like, but you got, the, you got the Giants regardless. It don't matter if he plays or not. You already said it. Give me the cards. I can't depend on Cole McCoy, bro. Give no, you already said it. You already right. said it. So, up next, next game, we got Vikings at Buccaneers. Brady off of Bay. I thought I was going first. How, how was it going first? You going to talk over me? I Come make on, it man. Big, I felt like it. Because I said, felt like it. What was the game? You said Minnesota at Tampa Bay? Yeah. Uh, Who did Minnesota just beat? Man, I can't remember. They beat Y'all somebody. Can... Sorry. The Panthers. They just beat the Panthers, bro. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tampa Bay, did they have a buy or something like yeah, that? Yeah, both of these uh, teams are coming off of a buy. 
Mm, let me tap over at how you feeling, man? Give me the Buccaneers, bro. Coming off a of bye, Brady's not gonna go out sad. Yeah, for this one, I'm rocking with like the Bucs. You, I feel too. like you copied Dalvin, Dalvin Cook won't be able to uh, get going like he will against that top ranked Buccaneers run defense. So I'm rocking with the Bucks. Up next, we got Colts at Raiders. Uh, Don't give him no 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 tidbits either, Nick. <laughs> Colts at Raiders. See, I got I got a stall. I got to look and see who played. They just played y'all, didn't they? No, they all just played the Browns. So who did, who did the coaches play? The Raiders just played us, obviously. Who did the coaches play? The coaches played the Texans. Yeah, they beat the Texans. By like oh, yeah, but, but Deshaun Watson went crazy on them. You said Colts. Uh, give me the Colts. The Raiders. They just they played us too close to them to even be good. Give them the Raiders. I mean, give me the Colts. Mm, I, I, I'd be different this game. Give me the Raiders, bro. This one, I'm, I think I'm going to have to rock with the Colts. I really like that defense. Phillip Rivers is really catching a groove right now. Yes. I'm going to rock with the Colts. 26-29 uh, at one point. Yeah, he, he was in there slaying that thing, slaying that iron. So, uh, next game, we got Steelers at Bills. Uh, man, that's a good game, though. Steelers at Bills? Ooh, that's, that's probably the best game. It's got to be the best game of the, of the, of the slate. Ah, man. Yeah, so it's a lot of pressure to make a good pick and stop stalling. Brother, I'm not stalling. I had to whatever. Uh, Josh Allen did like an MVP. Me and Vance, bro, Vance, me and you just be ripping them off. Josh, oh, <laughs> like, what do you think is going in, bro? Like, we sent the games big, in the group. So big, brother, that that doesn't mean you you still can't think about. I I like to contemplate, think about things before I say them. That's probably why I'm winning things like this. Y'all are just uh, all right, uh, make it a pick, whatever bro. team. I already said Buffalo. All right, for sure. All right, for me, I'm gonna rock with. For me, I'm rocking with Buffalo, especially after Josh Allen's performance uh, last night. And then y'all don't pick him for the same reason I picked him. So who's really stalling? So really, y'all be listening to me. I just said that he looked like right, MVP. So you gonna go? You gonna go last next week, Vance? Who you got? A bit. Mm, you said it's at Buffalo. You doing the same thing I'm doing? <laughs> it's alright. If you ain't got no head of Gene, problem. It's alright. give me the Bills, bro. Because that was the last well, one they had was against the. I'm flipping to the Steelers. Cause everybody picked the deals, so I'm flipping to the. Bet. All right, bet. Bayless, you so gonna now my Raiders pick don't matter, bro. Cause I'm now it's gonna be a wash if they lose. All right. And so last game of the pick 'em, Raiders both my team. Browns, and I'm gonna start this one off since Josh complained, and I'm gonna give him some time to think. For this Thank game, you. give me the Browns. I think Baker Mayfield is really heating up. Uh, you know that running game is still a one, and the Ravens have struggled to stop the run this year. You look at the game against the Titans, so give me the Browns. Uh, I'm a cut Vance off because I don't like him right now. Uh, they still got two All Pro corners back there. Well, not All Pro, Pro Bowl. Humphreys and Marcus Peters. Um, Baker Mayfield has been looking. He has been the best quarterback this past month. Man, Baltimore, big trust me. Come on. Now. All right, so Vance, go on and finish us off. Uh, with this one. Okay, last time they played, they played Week One. The Ravens won thirty-eight to six. It's gonna be a lot closer. Miles Garrett will be there. Uh, hey, six, you just said thirty-eight to six. Give me, give, give me, uh, give me the. It's gonna be at Cleveland. Give me. Stalling, you're stalling, you're stalling, you're stalling, you're stalling, you're stalling. Terry Crews, make a pick, bro. Make a pick, Terry Crews. The Ravens. Then you want to make my pick. So with that, that, I didn't even know who you. I was looking at who I wanted to be, bro. You don't got to exactly. So anyway, I think this is gonna be an interesting week to tally up. See who we gonna come back to y'all with the results next week. And with that, it don't even matter. I'm a big shark, y'all. Some shrimps, man. Don't ever believe it. Put them boys on the grill. It don't even matter. He looks like Vaughn, and he looks like not even Vaughn. He like one of he like somebody from Old Block that Vaughn didn't like. So I don't want to hear it, man. Big stop. Big S word, Papa. You feel me? Big Josh, you feel me? Tap it with your Nike deals. You know, it is what it is. They got a lot going on, man. They, they don't. So. For sure. Got a lot going on, but he still can't dress. And we, with that, we out of here. Make sure y'all.